After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. We're continuing our Top 10 Prospects podcast series today with the Milwaukee Brewers. And to do that, we are joined by Ben Badler. Ben did the Brewers Prospect Handbook chapter for us this year, one of the longest tenured writers here for us at BA. Ben, Milwaukee made the postseason for the third straight time in 2020. It's the first time in franchise history the Brewers made the playoffs in three consecutive years. However, the caveat to that is... They snuck into the playoffs as the eight seed in the expanded postseason with a sub 500 record. They went 29 and 31. Some promising performances on the pitching side, namely Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff out of the rotation, plus rookie of the year Devin Williams and all star closer Josh Hader in the bullpen. But the offense really, really went backwards. We saw Christian Yelich have a difficult year. Keston Hira took a step backwards. Milwaukee finished 24th out of the 30 teams in Team OPS and really just did not have a whole lot going for them offensively. When you look at where this team is now and what they have in the farm system, where are they and how likely are they to continue this run of consecutive playoff appearances? Yeah, like like you said, they just kind of snuck their way in as a sub-500 postseason team this year. I think they'll I think they'll probably be about the same uh, next year. I mean, I mean, I think it's reasonable to expect uh, better performances next year from uh, Yelich and, and Keston Hira. Uh, but like you said, the the offensive really uh, their offensive showing last year really really hurt them. And one of the problems right now is there's not a lot of help that you can expect to have from the farm system both both on the position player side and and the pitching side too certainly at least as starting pitching I mean in in the bullpen you have a couple of guys who are still prospect eligible uh and like you know Justin Topa Drew Rasmussen I think can help in in the bullpen but really the you know the most interesting players in the farm system right now are these guys who are are not going to be contributors in, in 2021. It's, it's guys who are 
at the lower levels and, and especially so for the uh, for the position players. So I, I think we're pr- probably going to be looking at similar strengths and weaknesses for uh, the Brewers in 2021 uh, without uh, without being able to count on too much help, uh, especially on the offensive side from from the farm system. Yeah, it does seem like it's going to have to be internal reinforcements from guys who are already with the big league club. They will get Lorenzo Kane back next year. He opted out of the season. Again, Christian Yelich isn't going to hit 205 again. You expect him to bounce back. But it does feel like a lot is hinging on Keston Hira, Orlando Arcia, Luis Urias, the young position players they have right now really stepping up. Because as you mentioned, the top two prospects in this system, Bryce Trang and Garrett Mitchell, they're a couple years away. Yeah, I, th- I think you're counting on that uh, that player development at the major league level happening from some of those guys who you know who look are are still in their early to to mid twenties. Uh, I think it's it's a reasonable to maybe not necessarily count on them taking that step forward, but thinking that yeah, there's you know there's a good chance that uh, you know they they could take a, a step forward next year. But yeah, it's you know. Uh, I, I like Bryce Terang, uh, you know, Garrett Mitchell, I, you know, I, I like that pick, especially at the the back of the, the first round where, where they got him. But these are not guys who, who you're going to count on to to help the major league club at all next year or this year, I guess I should say. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what the Brewers do. Again, they do have some very, very attractive potential trade pieces. Josh Hader came among them. And there are some very talented players to work with, it feels like, at the top of their roster. Again, we mentioned Yelich. Keston Hira had a down year, but this is a very promising young hitter still. And on the pitching side, you start with Woodruff, Burns, you have Devin Williams, you have haters, we mentioned. Even guys like Freddie Peralta, he really stepped up last year in a relief role. So they do have some pieces to work with. I think it's just going to be interesting to see how they're able to fill in the holes on this roster because some of these prospects are a couple years away. And moving into those prospects, Bryce Tereng and Garrett Mitchell checked in at numbers one and two. How close of a debate was it? And was there anyone else in consideration for number one? Yeah, I think those were the consensus top two players uh, in the system. Um, you know, you know, a couple guys down the list, I, I think you could, uh, you know, make cases for them being number one in the system in, in the future, but probably not right now. Uh, you know, Terang and, and Mitchell, uh, you know, obviously like this year, there's just a lot of uncertainty and it's hard to speak with a ton of uh, conviction on, on, on these guys, uh, given the constraints of, of what happened in 2020. Uh, you know, some of it may come, I, I think it's, it, you can reasonably argue either one. It, it may come down to uh, your preference in terms of the, you know, you know, T- Terang is a good athlete too. He- he's not the athlete. I don't think that uh, Mitchell is. He doesn't have that kind of really super loud, explosive tool set. And look, I mean, Mitchell did, did he did perform well in college, but but I certainly think Terang is a a better pure hitter, better strike zone discipline. Um, and and to me, uh, I'd certainly lean toward the guy who is the the better pure hitter who, who controls the strike zone more, better back control, uh, and and has some you know he uh, and has some track record of, of success at the pro level. Now you know the, the big knock I think on Terang coming into the season was uh, just the, the total lack of power uh, that he had shown previously. 
Um, you know, it's a, it's a really good swing. It's, it's very calm, very balanced throughout uh, the swing. It's, it's a pretty compact, tight turn on, on getting the barrel out front and, and makes a lot of contact and, and controls the strike zone, but uh, just wasn't delivering much impact. And uh, I, I think that was, you know, one of the things in, in his favor this year was that, uh, you know, he, he's not out there. Um, you know, I, I don't expect him to be like a 25 plus home run type guy, but it was, it was pretty consistent that he was hitting the ball uh, harder this year uh, with more impact, higher exit velocity numbers um, that, that he was showing at the alternate training site um, throughout the, the summer. Uh, I think that was, that, that was good and, and encouraging to see from him. It wasn't like he, um, you know, what was some big swing change guy was just saying, all right, you know, he, he's always been a guy who's just focused on, you know, spreading the ball around the field and, and just putting the bat to the ball and putting the ball in play. Now I think he was, well, he was out there looking to, you know, take advantage of, of certain uh, pitches and in, in his hot zones and in advantageous counts where he can turn on them and, and try to do some more damage. And, and, you know, he's a high school draft pick. He's, he's getting stronger too. So I think that, that plays a role into it too. So I, I think that, uh, you know, whether it's shortstop, second base, kind of still to be determined and, and probably still some, um, some of that is just circumstantial based on, you know, what the composition of the, the major league roster is by the time he's uh, ready in a, a couple of years or maybe a few more years. But, um, but, you know, you have a, an athletic guy who can play in, in the middle of the diamonds uh, who, who's a, pretty advanced hitter who, who controls the strike zone and, and now looks like he's going to have to have the ability to hit for uh, at least enough power to, to do, um, you know, enough damage uh, along with the, you know, the plus speed that he has too. Uh, that to me gave him uh, the edge over, over Mitchell, who obviously has, you know, really, really loud tools, but some more, uh, some more risk, I think, as far as the, the pure hitting ability. Yeah, Mitchell's an interesting case. This was true of Trang as well. Both Trang and Mitchell were considered potential top 10 overall picks in their respective drafts. Both fell and the Brewers were able to get both of them a little bit later than expected. They got Mitchell at 20th overall and Trang at 21st overall. Regarding Mitchell, the two main questions that have come up really since high school, the first was, for those who don't know, Garrett Mitchell has type 1 diabetes. And so there was always some concerns about how that is going to affect his durability and his endurance. But I do think we have to note, he only missed one game in three years at UCLA. Obviously, the third season of that was shortened due to the coronavirus pandemic. But this guy pretty much took the field almost every day he was supposed to. I think a lot of people were focused on the diabetes When in reality, the bigger concern was how much impact contact he's consistently going to make. One of the things with Garrett Mitchell that has been true since his high school days is this is a tremendous athlete. He will show you tremendous raw power in batting practice. When you get into games, it's a lot of rolled over ground balls to the second baseman. It's a lot of soft contact. And there are times where he drives the ball down the line or into the gaps and you say, there it is. But helping him get that consistently is something that I know a lot of pro evaluators have had questions about, particularly given he doesn't have a ton of track record with a wood bat. Now he did start to tap into that extra base power more as a sophomore. He was off to a good star as a junior. So it's not that he can't do it, but I know a lot of national level evaluators, the question was just 
how much is he going to do it? They didn't feel a ton of conviction one way or the other. And that was a big reason why he slid to 20th overall. Based on your discussions with the Brewers, what is the level of conviction that Garrett Mitchell is going to hit? Because above all, that's going to be the main driver of his upside. As much as he has all these other supplemental tools that are incredible, you got to hit to play. And that's the biggest question with him. Yeah, I think all the risk factors you brought up with him are are, are valid as far as the, the swing and, um, and, and all that. Um, I, I think, you know, it, we didn't get a lot of new information on him after signing because the Brewers didn't bring any of their 2020 draft picks to the, their their alternate training site. Uh, they had some of them playing in like uh, some various independent leagues, and then he had like a, some like a little leg injury that kind of limited his playing time at, at instructional league. So didn't really have a chance to see a lot of the adjustments that it sounds like he's been trying to make. I mean, like you said, he's. He's, a, he's an outstanding athlete. He's a top-of-the-scale runner. But it's, you know, if, if you watch him in batting practice, it's it's not like, uh, you know, it, this is not some, like, you know, little, you know, guy who's just slapping the ball. I mean, it, his approach is kind of slappy, I guess. But he has he has big, raw power. He, he can hit the ball hard. But, you know, I think a lot of times, especially in, in college baseball, you have guys who are, you know, 70 or, or 80 runners and, uh, you know, they're taught to, yeah, just hit the ball on the ground and take advantage of your speed. Uh, a ground ball in, in the major leagues uh, is, has a different run value than a, a ground ball. And, um, you know, in college baseball, <laughs> you're, you're more likely to be able to, you know, take advantage of those wheels uh, and, and turn it into a hit. Uh, or reach base on on an air if you're just hitting a ground ball um, in in college baseball, obviously compared to um, you know doing that in in the major leagues where it doesn't quite work out so well for you. Um, so I think it's it's a matter of him, you know, making that adjustment to you know not just try to you know take that approach to you know put the ball in play or just put the ball on the ground and um, you know hit those you know you know ground balls or, or low line drives and, and try to get the ball airborne a little bit more. Um, you know, I, it sounds like he's been trying to make some adjustments uh, with his, you know, to kind of get his legs more involved in his swing and then try to tap into that power more in games. And we've seen some other, you know, like Jaron Duran, uh, another, you know, real speedy guy, uh, you know, coming out of college who, who made some, or it sounds like has made some swing adjustments to, uh, you know, to try to tap into a little bit more power and do some more damage in, in games and, and the hope is Mitchell can, like you said, he's, he's an excellent athlete. He certainly has plenty of athleticism to feel encouraged about his ability to, to make adjustments, but it's, it's not, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy to make uh, that change and, and that adjustment, uh, you know, at, at the same time for all, all these concerns that, uh, you know, I've, I've talked about, it's not like he, you know, it's not like he was at UCLA hitting a, a buck 90. I mean, he, he performed, <laughs> pretty well when he was there. Uh, it's just a question of, all right, well, how, how is that approach uh, going to translate against more, more advanced pitchers and, and, and more advanced uh, defenders too. And, and if, if he's going to be able to, uh, to make those adjustments, so he's, he's probably going to have to make going forward against, uh, against those players. 
Yeah, I think Garrett Mitchell, assuming we have a somewhat normal minor league season in 2021, is going to be one of the most interesting players to watch just to see what the swing looks like, what the offensive performance looks like, because if he can make those adjustments, given his natural strength, given his natural speed, and as you mentioned, again, he was very, very good at UCLA, both as a sophomore and during the abbreviated junior year, I think he'll be okay. And so I'm going to be very curious to see what the swing looks like come 2021. Ben, you mentioned these were the clear top two. From the outside looking in, it seems like number three is where the system really opens up. I know we had a lot of discussions amongst ourselves, staff here at BA. I know you dove in on this with evaluators both inside and outside the system pretty heavily. Ultimately, Hedbert Perez, one of their international signings, was pushed up into the number three spot. Now, Perez is 17 years old. He has yet to play a professional game. And there were some promising showings from some guys behind him on this list, namely Antoine Kelly had a really, really good year at the alternate training site. Aaron Ashby got a lot of love as a breakout type of pitcher during instructional league. Mario Feliciano was the MVP of the high class A Carolina league as a 20 year old. So there are some players who have accomplished a little more. Ultimately, what was it that pushed Hedbert up to number three above those guys? Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned the, uh, you know, the Ashby and and then Ethan Small too. They had a pretty interesting group of uh, lefties at, at camp in the uh, at the alternate training site and and brought some of those guys over to um, instructional league too. And and Mario Feliciano, you know, certainly in terms of you know performance, um, you know, has has accomplished more. But uh, you know, I I looked at it as all right. Well, who? <laughs> Which, which of these guys would would have the best chance, I, I think, to enter our, our top 100 at, at some point um, in, in the future and, and possibly in, in 2021? And I, I thought that the two guys with the best chance to do that were uh, Hedbert Perez and, and Antoine Kelly. Um, you know, Hedbert Perez, uh, I think if, you know, he was in, in the draft, we, we'd be – you know, it, it, it's tough to, you know, compare and, you know, it's just necessarily to like a, you know, Robert Hassels or <laughs> something like that. Cause he's, he's still a year younger than those guys. Like he, <laughs> we'd, we'd really be talking about him more as a 2021 <laughs> draft pick, but um, I don't think he's, I don't think he's too far off um, from, from there. I mean, this is a, a player who's, you know, has a really exciting mix of of athleticism, uh, a premium position in, in center field, uh, at least for right now, um, along with, you know, really good tools and, and baseball skills for somebody who uh, doesn't turn 18 until uh, I think it was April. I mean, they brought him up to the their alternate training site. He, he was the youngest player at any of the uh, alternate sites this year uh it wasn't like he you know dominated there uh he just sort of held his own for for somebody his age but when he you know went to instructionally it was like all right well all right this <laughs> the you know the, the the competition was a bit more age appropriate you could uh, you know you could obviously see the the tools that he had at the alternate site but uh the performance was was certainly better at instructional league and and you know it's it's it sounds weird to say for somebody who has you know, zero official pro games yet, right? Because he was a 2019 signing from Venezuela. They, they don't play their, their first year in games. And then obviously 2020 wiped out from 
the pandemic, but after he, you know, after he signed last year, he played in, in tricky league, he played in Dominican instructional league. Uh, so we have one year there and then we have the second year of, uh, you know, games to go off of with him from, from the alternate side and, and instructional league, which look obviously is, is not the same thing as, you know, going out to uh, the Arizona league, but, uh, but we have a pretty good, you know, record of him, you know, hitting well in games. And, and then obviously the tools, you know, <laughs> if, you, if you're a subscriber, you can go to the report and, and read our reports on, on his tools uh, that, that those all definitely uh, stick out too. So I, I think he's somebody who, you know, I, I he's only going to be 18 next year, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we see him on that, uh, you know, Ronnie Mauricio, uh, you know, Julio Rodriguez, Wander Franco, not saying he's the same type of guy as, as those players, but that, that path where those guys were all in, you know, the Midwest league or the South Atlantic league, or I, I guess I, I should just say low A from now on. Cause I, uh, they're obviously changing the, uh, the leagues up, but somebody like that who could be in low A next year um, as an, as an 18 year old. So um, I think he's somebody who has a, uh, you know, I think he has the upside to potentially be the number one player in this system at, at some point. I, I think it's a, a really good mix of uh, athleticism, premium position, tools, and skills. But obviously the risk is he's, uh, you know, doesn't turn 18 in, until April. And, uh, you know, we, we haven't seen uh, official games from from him yet. High risk, high reward. It'll be interesting to see what he's able to do in his first full season. I know having him ranked this high certainly opens some people's eyes and certainly your high praise for him makes him someone to watch moving forward. Ben, I want to jump into the second half of this system here, but first a quick word from our sponsors. All right, Ben. So we've hit on the top three players in this system. After them is a group of interesting prospects. Again, we talked about Ashby. We talked about Kelly. You mentioned Ethan Small. We hit on Feliciano. Is that the group that makes up the next tier? You know, Freddie Zamora is in there as well. Where's kind of the demarcation points within this top 10? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, that, that's one of the things about this system being a, you know, a 21 to 30 type farm system. And in terms of our overall um, look at, at every club's uh, minor league system right now, um, I think you could go a lot of different ways with it pretty reasonably. I mean, I certainly think that, you know, Feliciano, we, we talked about earlier and, and Ashby, those, those guys belong in there. I think there is probably some limitations on, on the upside on, on both guys, but um, I think they certainly belong in, in the top 10. I mean, you know, you have a guy like Freddie Zamora, who's, you know, really a, a wild card, uh, you know, as far as, you know, obviously everybody lost the 2020 season, but uh, with Zamora, he, you know, had a, you know, he had an injury with his knee. He didn't even play it at Miami at all this year. And by the time he was done with his rehab, uh, they were just wrapping up instructional league. So didn't really get, you know, a chance to, you know, see what he looked like at all this year. Uh, but obviously when he was, when he was on the field, one of the, one of the best shortstops in, in college baseball, uh, but obviously a lot of uncertainty with him, even, even among the, uh, the uncertainty of, of everything for 2020, uh, you know, then you have guys like, you know, Jefferson Quiro, Eduardo Garcia, Carlos Rodriguez, guys were, you know, real interesting guys at, at the lower levels. I think Quiro really helped his status this year with, with what he did at, uh, 
instructional league and, and building off some really strong reports uh, from last year, you know, like Xavier Warren, I, I think was a, you know, I really like that draft pick for, uh, for the Brewers in, in the third round. Uh, I like his ability to, to get on base, but obviously, uh, you know, a catching conversion uh, process happening with him. So there's certainly some risk there. Um, you know, you have guys like Justin Topa and Drew Rasmussen who, who have a lot less risk, but, you know, certainly more, um, you know, limitations, probably, um, you know, bullpen guys with, with, with both those players and then probably a, a shorter shelf life. So, um, I mean, those, those are kind of some of the, the players were, we were looking at in, uh, in that range. I want to hit on this lefty trio real quick of Kelly Small and Ashby. What kind of pitchers do they project to be for the Brewers? Yeah, I think the, yeah, the Brewers had really good lefties at their alternate training site this year, which, uh, you know, and then you throw in like uh, uh, Angel Perdomo, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it made for a really interesting uh, probably development experience for, especially for guys like Bryce Terang or uh, Hedbert Perez and then some of the other left-handed hitters that they had at the alternate site. But um, I think the, the guy who definitely stood out the most from that group this summer was, was Antoine Kelly. I think he really uh, boosted his stock. I mean, 6'6", junior college draft pick from uh, their, their 2019 class who, who's always had, uh, you know, who, who's had a big arm ever since they uh, drafted him, you know, up to the, you know, the upper 90s from, from the left side with, you know, some extension from his, you know, 6'6 uh, frame. And, you know, the last year was a lot of just, all right, I've got a really good fastball and I'm going to, just blow it by hitters, but he, he really uh, transformed that, that slider uh, this year. I, I think that really ticked up for him. Uh, there's some flashes of, of feel for a changeup that he hasn't really needed to, uh, to use much. Uh, and then, you know, the, you know, he's six foot six. So I, I, you know, it's a lot of moving parts in his delivery. He's got to, you know, improve his command, but j- just as far as pure stuff, uh, I think he has the best pure stuff of, of that group and, you know, somebody who's, you know, still young, uh, has a chance to, to miss a lot of bats. Um, I, I think he's, you know, I, I certainly would not put him in a top 100 right now, but I think if we're, you know, looking at, at those guys between Kelly, small Ashby, who has a chance to jump into uh, a top 100 at, at some point in 2021, I think Kelly is probably the, the best bet to do that. I mean, small is, you know, everything about him from uh you know his draft is is you know pretty much the same uh as it is right now maybe slight tick up uh in in velocity but also in you know shorter stints but uh it's it's really more of a, a touch and feel commands uh you know change speeds keep hitters off balance with his pitch ability uh from the left side type guy who should move uh, fairly quickly for them. And then, yeah, Ashby was, you know, slow start at the, uh, the alternate site um, was a lot better at, at instructional league, which, you know, is, is encouraging to hear, but, at, you know, at the same time as a guy who has experience up through IA is, you know, 22 years old. So he's, you know, older than most of the guys at, at instructional league. So it's certainly encouraging to see, but with some caveats, but, but the stuff coming out of his hand was, uh, pretty impressive at at instructional league, but um, you know I I don't think he has quite the stuff that uh, Kelly has or or the polish that uh, Small has, but um, certainly you know belongs in in that top ten for them. 
Yeah, I'll be interested to see how these three lefties move through the system again. Mentioned they all got some time at the alternate training site and seeing where they start next year and what roles they're able to play potentially for the Brewers, although that would be an aggressive timeline for all of them. Ben, we've got this group of lefties who are somewhat polished, although again, they've all pretty much been only at the lower levels so far. We already hit on Mitchell and Terang, the fact they haven't, in Mitchell's case, hasn't played an official professional game yet. Terang got to high class A, but still the lower levels. Same with Feliciano, high class A. Xavier Warren hasn't played a pro game yet. Jefferson Caro hasn't played a pro game yet. This is overwhelmingly a system of players in the lower levels. Given some of the Brewers' needs, and again, you hit on too, even the guys who are 11-12 in this system are lower level guys. Given the Brewers' immediate needs in the majors and the fact that their best prospects are at least one year away, more likely two, and for some guys it's as many as four or five, the youngest kids uh, on the international side, how are they going to thread this needle and continue to be competitive in the major leagues? What do they need to do and what do they need to add? Yeah, that's uh, it kind of gets back to what we were talking about earlier. I mean, really, I, I think the biggest development <laughs> the biggest thing for them would would be to get more development from some of those um you know hitters who who kind of struggled in in their lineup uh last year getting some uh bounce back seasons from them or, or in some cases guys who haven't you know necessarily uh you know <laughs> established themselves yet uh who really need more of a a breakthrough type year because you know I, I think they have some players who have have some trade value if, if they wanted to go that route and and, and it's tough to say right now because I mean we saw you know we're, we're seeing <laughs> like, like, like we just saw with the you know with, with the Padres and and the Cubs where you know look, I, I like Reggie Preciado quite a bit and uh, you know Ismael Mena and, and some of those guys are, are pretty interesting guys but obviously uh, finances are, are playing a big role <laughs> in the, the trades this year. So, um, so, you know, maybe they could get a little bit more impact than I would normally expect if they wanted to trade uh, some of these guys. I certainly don't think there's anybody in, in the system who would be like an untouchable uh, off, off limits guy by any means. But um, yeah, it's uh, it, it, like you were saying earlier, they've, they've had a lot of, you know, recent success getting, to the playoffs and, and right now they're right on that cusp of like, yeah, the, the, you know, I don't know if the window is, is uh, closing or, or if they can find a way to keep it open right now, but uh, they're sort of getting to that point where it's, it's going to be tough to, uh, you know, balance both the, the farm system and trying to remain, uh, trying to remain competitive. Yeah, it's always a tricky balance. You mentioned that this farm system is in the bottom third of farm systems in the majors. And again, for a lot of the right reasons, they successfully graduated Keston Hira. They successfully graduated Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns. They traded some very highly touted prospects for Christian Yelich. Again, that's a trade they should have made and they would make again over and over and over again. So yes, the farm system is down, but again, it's because they got players out of it that have helped them make the playoffs three years in a row, which is the point of all this. So I'll be interested to see just how they kind of backfill some of it. Again, 
we've seen them start to with some of the recent draft picks, some of the recent international signs, but it's going to take some time and how they retool the major league roster while they wait for that farm system to start producing more big league ready guys and just get deeper by virtue of more drafts, more international signing periods. I think that's going to be a very interesting dynamic to watch here for the Brewers the next two or three years. Ben, just speaking purely about this farm system, what would you say right now are the strengths and the weaknesses and what do they need to add here as we start to add more draft picks and more international signing classes over the next one, two, three years? Yeah, I just think the weakness is just the lack of of upper level prospects right now. Um, you know, especially on the uh, hitting side uh, or or kind of starters who project to be more than you know back end starter up and down type guys. I mean, you know, I think like Dylan File, Alec Bettinger, like those guys could come up this year, and you know, maybe they continue to uh, you know beat people's expectations, but. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody is, is counting on them to be like mid rotation starter types or, or better than that. Um, uh, and, you know, you, you look at the, the upper level guys, like, you know, you've got like Corey Ray and, and, you know, other guys where it's just like, uh, like <laughs> the clock is kind of ticking and time is running out and it's probably more change of scenery type guys that, uh, at the upper levels right now than anything else. But, you know, like the, I think the lower levels have, have a bunch of really interesting guys from uh, their, their recent drafts and international signing classes. I mean, obviously talked about uh, Hedbert Perez. I think he's one of the most exciting guys from that uh, 29, uh, 2019 international class from, you know, just the class as a whole. I mean, <laughs> you know, Jason Dominguez, Eric Pena, Luis Rodriguez from the Dodgers, like uh, Maximo Acosta, a lot of uh, I think he belongs, you know, right up there with uh, with those guys. Uh, but then you also have this, you know, wave of of guys, especially from Venezuela. The Brewers have been really aggressive in Venezuela. Uh, Jefferson Quiro, I think, took a, a big step forward uh, this year, and I'm really excited to see what he does in in 2021 in in the Arizona League. I think a guy who's got some, uh, you know, obviously we already jumped him into our top ten, but I think he has even more breakout potential once everybody kind of gets a chance to see him uh in games it's a you know chance to be a plus defensive catcher and uh hit and and hit for some power potentially too so um you know you have guys like that or uh you know david hamilton who uh, you know eighth round pick out of texas a couple years ago who uh you know was injured but had some really good things uh that i heard about him this year coming out of uh, instructional league. So I think he has a chance to, to move up. So there, there's a lot of these guys who are in the the lower levels uh, who I think have a chance to uh, elevate their stock. Now, a lot of them, you know, won't, <laughs> I think a lot of them will uh, just end up obviously hitting a, a wall. It's just the natural rate of prospects uh, attrition, but uh, there, there are, there is a pretty interesting group of guys that the, the brewers do have at the lower levels, but uh, you know, the lack of guys at uh, the upper levels, especially in the bats, definitely uh, sticks out right now. We'll see if uh, the guys who are currently the guys who are interested in the lower levels can become the guys that become the upper level bats you bank on. Ben, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your insight as always. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Kyle. All right, everyone, that'll do it for another Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. 
For Ben Badler, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.